Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. I am your host, Marjorie Frymouth, and today we are definitely going to talk about one really amazing way to get out on the road in another country. But first, I am still coming to you from Colorado. I've been here for about three weeks. Oh my gosh, the time is going so fast. (laughs) Um, I'm really feeling the pressure to plan what is next in my life, but it's so hard when the whole country is like living in this Delta variant limbo and, you know, we don't know what's going to be available in terms of local travel and road trips and all of that. So I'm just living my best small town life uh, at my parents' house, but I'm really loving it because there's so much here. You know, for a small town, there's an unbelievable variety of food and restaurants and coffee and mostly food. I mean, there's a lot of other stores too, music, live music, all that stuff. And I've just been reveling in it. You know, what do I go and have every day? And and there really is a schedule to it. It's like, okay, well, these two days, the Thai food truck is out. And on this day, there's a bakery pop-up. And on these two days, this chef comes and cooks at this coffee house for breakfast. And you really have to plan your entire life around uh, where you're going to eat when. But I I'm definitely here for that. And all the food is, you know, most of the food is local and grown here in this valley because there's a huge like fruit production and a lot of farms and things. So everything is local and amazing and I am loving it. So this morning I went and had, oh, I didn't look up this pronunciation, liege waffles. I think it's liege. Um, those Belgian, not Belgian waffles, but I think they're also from Belgium, Um, delicious waffles with local peaches and this amazing handmade whipped cream on top. So that was one of the things that's available on Saturday and Sunday. And I think it's just a couple people who run it and they run it out of like the pizza place, which is not open in the morning. So in the morning on Saturday and Sunday, the pizza place turns into the waffle shop and it's just fantastic. I love everything about this. So that has been amazing. Unfortunately, It's also freezing cold, which I'm not used to coming from Taiwan. It's August. It's still August. Why is it so cold? I don't know. Um, I had the heat on this morning. I'm just tired of being cold. And it's I don't think it's normal. I think it's just a cold snap. But I don't like being cold. We will see how I deal with the winter wherever I end up for the winter. Because being in Taiwan for the past three years and then a few years before that has really spoiled me for these nice temperate uh, winters where you just maybe need a light jacket on occasion. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. So today we are talking all about one of the ways to make money living abroad. This is something I really want to focus on. And if you haven't already listened to it, definitely check out one of the first episodes I released, the ESL 101, because teaching ESL is one of the most common and, you know, relatively easiest ways to earn money while you're living in another country. Today, we are talking about being an au pair. Au pairing is an even easier way to live in another country. You don't make as much money. It does come with its own sets of challenges, but in general, it's it's pretty easy and I highly recommend it. So, first of all, what is an au pair? 
An au pair is basically like a nanny. You are taking care of children, you are living with the family, but being an au pair always has an international element to it. Um, generally, the family is bringing on an au pair because they want their kids to learn a foreign language. So in another country, uh, that would be English. Usually they want the, the children to learn English. So if you, like me, are American and speak English, you'll be going to another country to take care of the children and speak English with them so that they can learn a little bit. Au pairs also come to the States, in which case they will be from a different country speaking a native language other than English, so the kids can get a jump up on learning a foreign language here in the States. But there's always that sort of international component that a nanny doesn't necessarily have. And there are so many details to this. I was writing down everything that I remembered from when I worked as an au pair in Spain, and then I did research to see what might have slipped my mind, and I just kept adding to my list of like, this detail, this detail, this detail. So I'm actually going to try not to get too bogged down in the weeds because all of this information is available with a few easy Google searches. I'm also happy to cover the minutia if you send me an email going out your door travel at gmail.com. Um, or if there's a lot of interest, I can always do another episode on it. But I just want to cover the basics to get you introduced to the idea. If you're looking for a way to move to another country, this is a great way to do it. So we'll just cover sort of the general idea of being an au pair. And I won't get into like everything you need to include in your contract, um, which we will talk about in a second. So Au pair positions are usually available for people in their late teens and early 20s, and some of the sites that you can use to find these positions will actually have age limits. I think a couple of them draw the line at 30, but it's typically like early 20s, maybe something you do as a break between high school and college. I was actually 27 when I did it, which is one of the reasons why it didn't necessarily work out. I think I was a little bit too old. Um, that was also a draw for the family, though. They liked the fact that I was older and had more experience working with children and teaching and living abroad. Um, that sort of brought more value to my position, but it also made it a little bit less comfortable for me because I was living with a family sort of not as their child, but like as their their pseudo child in a way. And yet I was 27 and I'd already lived by myself all over the world. So it, it just brought back like not restrictions, but uh, limitations maybe that I didn't necessarily enjoy. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I wanted to walk you from the beginning through my experience um, I had been living in Boston at this point, was already itching to get back abroad. Uh, Boston did not necessarily suit me at that point. And I'd always considered doing the au pair thing. I'd heard of it. I had it in the back of my mind. It's pretty easy because you don't need specific qualifications. And it's a lot easier to find an, a family to au pair with than it is to like find a job abroad. Um, basically, you are already qualified if you are a native speaker of the language that they want. So I'd always considered doing the au pair thing. I decided to try it. I used the website aupairworld.com to do my search, and I was focused mainly on countries in Western Europe since at that point I hadn't spent much time there. Uh, so I was sort of looking in France, Spain, Italy, Germany, as well as some of the smaller countries um, 
getting into maybe Central Europe. But the majority of jobs are in the bigger, more like well-known and well-traveled countries like France and Spain. Um, I sort of had an extra leg up in terms of my quote-unquote resume because I had worked as an ESL teacher and again was like a little bit older than the average person who wants to be an au pair. So after putting in all of my details on au pair world, making my account, I was pretty much able to just like sit back and let the requests kind of roll in from the families. I didn't have to do much searching or reaching out myself. I don't know if that's typical. I imagine it is. Um, I think the demand is higher on the family's end, so you can uh, just wait for those messages and see if there's one that you like, although you can also search for families as well on these sites. Take the initiative there. And I don't remember how long this search lasted, probably a few weeks. I think I was in contact maybe with like a dozen families. Um, I received many, many more requests and messages, but the people that I actually went back and forth with and talked to, you know, maybe like 10 or 12. And I ultimately selected one, one, I I shouldn't say that, a delightful family who lived in Spain, in Mallorca. They did seem really great in their messages. I really liked everything they said. They had had au pairs in the past, so they sort of knew the deal of having someone live with them in that context. But ultimately, Mallorca. I got this message and they were like, we live on this beautiful Spanish island. And I was like, bingo, you're the one I'm going with. Um, and I did, like, I Skyped with them and everything, and they did genuinely seem like very good people. So it wasn't wasn't just the location, but the location definitely sold it for me. Um, you know, we went back and forth a few times, ironing out the details of when I would come and what they were expecting and all of that. We did write up a contract. Uh, I traveled there. I spent a few days in Barcelona first, which was wonderful. And then I arrived in Mallorca. They picked me up at the airport and we immediately jumped right in. I think that evening they took me grocery shopping with them and I hung out with, well, hung out, (laughs) took care of um, their daughter while they were grocery shopping. And I just remember being totally overwhelmed in that situation and just the trust that these parents had to like hand their two-year-old to me and be like, see ya, see you in an hour. Um, When they just really met me that day, I'd just gotten off the plane And I forgot to mention they had three kids. Uh, Two of them were older, preteen and teenager. Uh, They already spoke very good English. The parents, the mother was actually an English teacher, so hers was fantastic. Father spoke great English as well. Uh, The older kids did also a a little bit more of a struggle maybe, but they could communicate very easily. And I was primarily taking care of the two-year-old and speaking English with her. And so then we had... I was going to say a regular schedule, but it was actually not consistent at all. I think I worked five hours a day, if I'm remembering correctly. So in terms of the situation, you know, I lived with them. I had my own room and bathroom. Um, I worked five hours a day, mainly taking care of the two-year-old. I was allowed to use anything in the house, you know, eat all of the food, all of that. I cooked my own food a lot of the times. We did eat lunch with their extended family every single day because that is a very Spanish thing to do, I was told. You know, we had like two days a week with the um, mother's family, three days a week with the father's family. So there was a lot of extended family time, which was really, really cool to experience. And I also had use of like the bike or, uh, you know, a bike there. And, you know, you're... 
you go to live as a member of their family. So all of this stuff should be ironed out ahead of time, but really it's like their house becomes your house, essentially. I did go on one little trip with them. Uh, We went to a resort on another part of Mallorca, and they paid for everything. They did ask me to work a few additional days in payment for this, and I went along with it because I don't like confrontation, but... Reading more about au pair situations, that's not supposed to happen. They're supposed to pay. If you travel with them and take care of the kids on the vacation, they're supposed to pay for everything and not ask you for additional work or payment in return for that. It wasn't a huge deal, um, but that's something to be aware of is that they are generally supposed to cover all of those costs. So I've thrown a lot of details and memories at you. There's definitely things I'm missing in terms of the experience. But overall, even though they are wonderful people and I, you know, I really love the family, I love spending time with the kids, especially the two-year-old, and she did learn English. I was only there for two months, um, but she started to learn some English, especially just in the last few weeks that I was there. She started speaking not just to me but also to the rest of the family using words and phrases in English and they couldn't understand her at first not that they couldn't understand like her pronunciation but they were just so thrown off they didn't expect her to be speaking in English so she would mix up Catalan uh, which is the language spoken on Mallorca not regular Spanish (laughs) traditional Spanish um she would mix up Catalan and English and say say something like um, Javoy, which is I want, I think, if, I, if I'm remembering it correctly or pronouncing it correctly, Javoy, water. And they were like, what? What did she say? I was like, she just said water. She's asking for water in a mix of, of two languages. And she would do a lot of things like that in the last week, which was so sweet. I loved it. Uh, it would have been cool to see how she progressed if I'd stayed longer. Uh, but that was a really, really cool experience. But overall, like I already hinted at, It was not necessarily for me. I didn't want to extend my contract with them. I was just too old at that point. I wasn't comfortable or I wasn't ready to go back as, you know, to living in a family situation where you don't have control over, you know, your own schedule or your own life or things that you do. Um, And there were also some things with the actual au pairing that, had I had more experience prior, I would have ironed out in the contract. Like, I only worked five hours a day, but I wasted a lot of time waiting for the two-year-old to wake up from her nap. And so even though I wasn't working, that wasn't time that I could use to myself or, you know, go out and do anything because it was like, okay, your hours will start when she wakes up, but that might be in another hour, but I'm still tied to the house just waiting for her to wake up. So that was not a great situation. Also, the hours were not consecutive. Um, So sometimes I would be like waiting until 9 p.m. for them to need me (laughs) in some way to finish out my hours for the day. So that's not a great situation. That's definitely something you want to be aware of ahead of time and, you know, set up the details for that with the family. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we're going over the contract. Uh, But first, so that was my experience. Um, It had its pros. It had some wonderful, no, sorry, I said that backwards. It had some cons. It had some wonderful, wonderful pros. And I do remember the experience very fondly. Generally, 
what does the job entail? So if you are considering being an au pair, you're like, hey, this sounds kind of cool. I go, I live with a family. It's free room and board. What would you actually be doing? Some countries, including the U.S., do have regulations around how many hours an au pair can work and what specific jobs you can be asked to do for the family. Uh, But usually those details are just between you and the family and you set them up ahead of time. So obviously it's childcare. That is the primary reason you are there. The specific details of that definitely vary depending on how old the child is and how many children they have. And when you're searching for a family, you can set the parameters for like how many kids and what ages you're willing to take care of. Uh, So childcare, you might be picking them up from school, um, you know, going out, playing in the park, doing things like that. You might be cooking meals generally for the child, also for yourself. I doubt you would be asked to cook for the whole family. That sounds like a very different um, situation. Uh, But you might be cooking for the kid. And you might also be asked to do some housework. I mean, you'll be expected to pick up after yourself, obviously, but they might ask you to do just some like general cleaning and tidying up or laundry or things like that. You might also be asked to take care of a pet, like take a dog on walks or make sure the cat is fed. Just sort of the general household chores that anyone might do. And now you're a member of the family, so you might be expected to as well. The next thing you are probably wondering about is salary. Do you get paid for all of this? How much do you get paid? It's not typically called a salary because it's not very much. It's usually called a stipend. Um, And when I was searching a few years ago for my job, the average stipend was about 70 euros a week, which, you know, euro and dollar are fairly similar these days, I think. It's maybe like $80 USD. I requested 80 euros a week since I had that teaching experience, which... (laughs) 70, the difference between 70 and 80 a week is not that much, but I I just wanted, I wanted to get every little bit that I could. Uh, The website Au Pair World says that if you were in Madrid, for example, the average is 60 to 100 euros a week. So you're not making money. (laughs) Um, You're not making a lot of money. You do get free room and board. And again, you might travel with the family. They would pay for that. So you'll probably break even. I did some traveling and so I ended up, I, you know, I guess you could say losing money because I did spend some of my savings for that independent traveling that I did when I had time off. Oh, and I forgot to mention, you're usually working six days a week. So it's six days a week, one day off, about 30 hours a week, making about 70 or 80 euros. <laughs> Uh, There's a lot of details there. You can also supplement your stipend if you teach like private language lessons on your free time, which you could definitely do. So you could conceivably make some money while you're doing this as well. And so now the visa situation. I said this is a very easy job to get overseas. It's a really great way to get yourself in another country if you want to travel and you're not sure like how do I go and maybe make money and stay for an extended period of time that's not just a trip. Being an au pair is a great way to do that. So generally, and for this, refer to our visa-free travel episode, generally, you can go to a country for 90 days with your passport. And that totally depends on, you know, where you're from, what country issued your passport, what country you're going to. Uh, But generally, that is the case. So a lot of these au pair positions are for three months or less. Mine was for two months. That means that you can enter the country and do this 
under the table job uh, with no visa, which is fantastic. If you do want to stay for more than three months, you will need a visa. A lot of ways that people do this is by enrolling as a student, taking like part-time language classes, but you do have to meet specific requirements in terms of how many hours a week you're in school to be able to get a student visa. But that is one way to do it is get a student visa and then still live with the au pair family and work as their au pair, but also take some classes, probably language classes. And some countries do also have au pair specific visas. So that might be an option as well. Uh, but I, I highly recommend stay for fewer than 90 days. You're there for a few months. You get a really good taste of it. And then if you want to extend your time, you can figure that out when you get to that point. Or maybe you just want to go to a different country and try it all again. So you could really just like bounce around as an au pair if you wanted to. Another thing to note is insurance. Some countries do require you to have like health insurance, liability, things like that. That is something that you can find the details out if you are really looking into this. I'm happy to share that as well, uh, but I don't want to get into that right now. It's a little too much in the weeds for what we're doing. Okay, so all of this sounds good to you. You're like, yes, I'm in. I want to do this. I like kids. How do you find a family or what to look for? Again, I said I use the website opairworld.com. There's also opair.com. There's also many others, but I would start with those two probably. You set up a profile with all of your information, you know, your little intro and qualifications, and then you can search for families uh, based on your preference, what you want, you know, like what country do you want to go to, um, how many kids, how old should the kids be, all of that. And then some ways to narrow down your search, like if you're looking at a lot of families or you're getting a lot of messages from people through these sites, a few things to think about. Have they had an au pair before? Um, if they haven't, that's, you know, that's not necessarily a deal breaker, but if they have, that means they know what the situation is. They're comfortable having someone else live in their house. You know, they, they sort of, they can ease you into that situation. Also, they might be able to put you in contact with their previous au pairs, which would be a huge benefit because you can find out more about like the vibe of the family or what they expect and all of that. So I was actually put in contact with my family's previous au pairs. They gave glowing recommendations, which really helped with me saying like, yes, I will go work for this family, in addition to the fact that they lived in Mallorca. <laughs> um if you're messaging back and forth, you might want to ask about the kids' personalities. Are they, you know, very athletic? You're going to be doing a lot of things outside. Do they like art? Do they like music? All of that. What are the parents' parenting styles, discipline styles? Will you be expected to d discipline the kids in a specific way? Uh, do the family members speak your native language? That's very important. Can they communicate with you in your language if you don't speak their language? Um, and to what degree are they comfortable doing that or willing to do that in the family? My family, like I said, most of them spoke really great or very good English, and they wanted to. That was the primary reason other than for their, their children that they wanted an au pair there, is that they wanted to keep practicing their English as well. So we we all communicated solely in English, although I did pick up some like toddler level, level Catalan while I was there, which was very fun. Um, so you will be exchanging these messages. And then if you both seem interested in each other, you can set up like a video chat to, you know, take it to the next level. And then when you both agree, great, you have a family. Then comes the contract. Contracts are not 
necessarily required. Again, this is just like a setup between you and the family, but I highly, highly recommend that you have a contract just in case anything goes wrong, you can refer back to it. Also, you might get asked when you're entering the country what you're doing there. It's very helpful if you can pull out the contract and say like, yes, this is a real thing. I am going to live with this family to do this. Usually the family will prepare the contract and you guys can go back and forth, you know, ironing out any of the details. Some countries do have specific contracts that you have to use. Um, Those include Germany, France, and Belgium, and others as well. And of course, there are templates online. Okay, this is one of the times where there are a lot of details, so I will try to go through this briefly. Uh, But you want your contract to include how many hours per week you'll be working, obviously the start date and end date, your duties, what you will be asked to do, your stipend, the money, What the family will provide for you, you know, bedroom, bathroom, linens for your bed, if there's a bike or anything else, the day off or days off that you will have per week, what will happen when the family goes on vacation, and if you go on vacation with them, like I mentioned, what are the details for that? What happens if you get sick and can't work? You know, how are you going to make up those hours? How are they going to take care of you? One thing that I found in my research, which never came up with my family, was social media. Are you allowed to post pictures with the children or with the family, things like that? And then your personal space. So will they be required to knock on your door, stay out of your room, things like that, just to set up those boundaries because you are living as a member of their family, but you're not a member of their family And you do need to make sure that you have all of your personal space and environment and that that is not in question before you get there. So the au pair experience can vary wildly depending on the family. I think that's the biggest factor, but also what country you go to, how old you are, all of that. But I just wanted to walk through generally some of the pros and cons of it. Like I said, my experience, it was great, but I had no desire to continue it after two months. But overall, I think this is a fantastic way to dip your foot into living in another country. You are living with a family, so you have that support system. Like if you get into trouble or you get hurt or sick or, you know, they can just help you navigate the town or the city and all of that. You sort of have this built-in helper situation that I think is fantastic, but Here are some of the cons. We're going to go over the pros as well, even though I just touched on that. But pros and cons, here are the cons. Like I said, for me, it was the the issue with the hours and that I wasted time that I couldn't use waiting for the child basically to wake up and then my hours extending really late into the evening just because, again, family situation and that was not set up ahead of time. Not saving any money. I mean, potentially you will even lose money. At best, you will probably break even unless you are supplementing with those private language classes. So that's not not ideal, even though you do get room and board. And then for me, the biggest con was feeling like my life wasn't really my own. And that's probably just because I was too old for it. Um, Childcare. Childcare can get really old really fast. You have to really love kids. Um, So if you don't, don't even consider this. But even if you do, taking care of small children can be exhausting and, you know, you get tired of it pretty fast. So that can be a con. And of course, 
the biggest is that there is a potential to end up in a really negative situation if you don't get on with the family or they don't follow through with the promises they made. So this is where you really, really want to vet them ahead of time and make sure they are genuinely good people and also have as many like support systems and emergency contacts in your own family back in the States or anyone else in the country that you're in ahead of time just to stay safe and avoid um, any of those negative things that could crop up. Another con is that families tend to prefer female au pairs. So if you are a man, a guy looking to break into this industry, it might be harder for you to find a host family. So that's another thing to be aware of. But the pros, like I said, I highly recommend this. There are lots of pros. It's a really, really easy way to experience another culture. Like I said before, everything is already set up for you. For you. You're going to live with this family. And you get a much more in-depth and authentic look at the culture, I think. Um, there are so many things that I got to experience just from spending so much time with their extended family and, you know, some holidays. I got to go, <laughs> I got to go to a pig slaughter. <laughs> a traditional pig slaughter where we made sausage. Um, So things like that that you might not necessarily experience if you're there as a student or a teacher or, you know, any other job. Again, free room and board is a huge pro. And you'll also probably pick up some of the language. Like I said, you can take actual classes while you're there. But even just living with the family, you will probably pick up a little bit of whatever their native language is as well. And then I just wanted to end with these ideas that I found on a blog post from the Au Pair World site. These were things that these au pairs wish they had known ahead of time before they started au pairing. Number one, paying for an agency isn't necessary. There are agencies that you can pay money to and they will set you up with a host family. But really, and I agree with this, Au Pair World or AuPair.com, they're both great sites. Um, They provide lots of ways to narrow your search for the families to, you know, talk to the families and vet them ahead of time. And from what I've read, the agencies don't necessarily support you or they they might not be there for you in an emergency anyway. So you might as well not have that cost. Um, just do a little bit more digging yourself ahead of time. And I, I think it's totally fine to do this on your own. Number two, your host family needs you more than you need them. So you can be picky in choosing the family. Yes, I think this is true. There are more families searching for au pairs than there are au pairs. This is why I I got so many requests when I was looking for a family. So really, like, be picky. Choose that perfect family. It helps if they have that perfect location. Like in my case, um, you know, be picky. Number three, it's not about the money, it's about the experience. Yes, because there is not much money involved. So don't go into this with money being your focus. Um, It is really, or it can be really a wonderful experience. Number four, taking care of kids is harder than you think. Again, I agree. (laughs) The burnout is real. Um, Small children are a handful. So really make sure that you love kids and you are prepared for that going in. And the last one, you will make friends from all over the world, but you'll need to put in effort. Yes, I didn't talk about this at all. 
I only met a couple people while I was there. I was in a smaller town in Mallorca, so there wasn't like a huge social scene. I did meet a few other au pairs, but like this blog said, I did have to put in the effort. I did have to seek them out. So there's no natural social setting or social system like being in college or university in a foreign country or, you know, working in other jobs where you might have colleagues. So you can definitely meet people and make friends, but you do have to put in a little bit of extra effort. So as we round the bend here towards the end, I hope I did not overwhelm you with all of the nitty gritty details of the contracts and the hours and all of that. Um, I hope this gave you an overview of what you might expect from working as an au pair. Again, I keep saying this. I feel like I, I mean it more every time I say it. I highly recommend it if you are right out of college or a few years out of college and you want to go abroad, but you don't have a lot of experience or you want that structure and support of a family situation, highly recommend it. Check out Au Pair World, goabroad.com and Cultural Care are a couple of other sites that have a lot of resources about this. I will link to all of those in the blog post for this episode. And if you are even considering it, I do highly recommend reading up a little bit more. Send me emails, send me messages. I would be more than happy to talk at length about any aspect of my experience of working as an au pair. It's really just a great way to experience living in another culture. So I will try to stop gushing over it. Um, if you have any questions or any comments, have you worked as an au pair? I would love to hear about other experiences, uh, especially if it was a wonderful experience, although I'm always down for hearing about some disasters as well, as long as they worked out well in the end and you are safe and healthy. Um, you can send any questions or stories to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. As always, you can find me on Instagram at goingoutyourdoor and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor as well, and on Twitter at goingoutyour. Happy au pairing, and until next time on Going Out Your Door. <laughs>